Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. Good morning, River City. It is so good to see everybody here this morning, um, all our friends, families, guests. We hope you all feel as though you have a place at the table here today. Um, here at River City, every uh, Sunday before we start, we actually read a psalm. Um, this is a psalm that's actually from the lectionary. It's a way that we connect with the global church. There's churches all over the world who incorporate these various psalms in different ways. Um, today's psalm is Psalm 146, and many, there's quite a few contemporary Christian songs that have actually been inspired by this particular psalm. So it's humbling and also heartwarming to just hear the original words that were left for us um, and just to kind of think about what they mean and the reason they've been turned to such harmonic melodies in current times. And it says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, the Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the soldiers. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. If we can bow our heads in prayer. 
God, we thank you for this opportunity in which we are able to start Sunday connecting to your word. Thank you that you are a God who loves, who heals the blind, the sick. Thank you that we have the opportunity, Father God, to worship you with music and song. Thank you that we are able to worship you with prayer. Thank you that we are able to connect with you in an intimate way with prayer. Thank you that you have left your words to encourage us, to hold us accountable. Lord, we enter into this worship journey together as a family. Let us show love as gracious as you have shown us. Let us practice mercy. Let us love mercy, Father God. We thank you for each person that is here. Thank you, Father God, for today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We said, you know, um, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as, in, as it is in heaven. So God, we bring you the cares of our community and of our world. We thank you for the body of Christ that is alive and well in this world. We thank you that churches are meeting all over this world. They're meeting above ground. They're meeting underground. They're gathering with two or three and that your kingdom is moving forward with your, um, your church, your body. And God, let us recognize the power of multiple tables, the table that is literally stretching around this world this morning. God, we pray for our nation. We pray for our government. Lord, we don't want to not participate. We want to press in and we want to see our just God move, but we want to do it in respect um, to authority and in humility. So God, will you please move in this nation? Will you move us towards righteousness and justice? We pray for the welfare of this world, God. There are things going on all over, the all over the world, and we have a responsibility. When we say your kingdom come and your will be done, we are to partake as intercessors. So this morning, God, we lift up the cares of things going on in this world. And if something is on your heart, I would like for you to say it out right now. Something you know that's going on in our world. Lord, we pray for uh, nations that are ripped up in civil war. We pray for the drought in Somaliland and for other parts of Africa that is affecting the poorest of the poor. Let us, as a rich country, not become complacent and ignore um, the injustices happening around us. We pray for our community here in Smyrna and the surrounding areas. God, will you move and will you move through us? We pray for our leaders. We pray for our schools. We pray for um, the churches that are gathering in here in Smyrna today. And God, we pray for River City, for our people sitting in this room who are brokenhearted, who are suffering. If you are just broken and suffering this morning, if you're going through a hard time, will you just open your palms to receive right now? God, will you pour out your grace and your mercy and your love in the same way we've just worshiped alongside each other? Will you bring healing and restoration to our local body? Will you bless every person here who gives and serves? Will you help us to honor each other and to love each other well, and that we would love the community and our world well in Jesus' name? Amen. A um, couple things before message, and I know it's kind of 
It seems like all of our Sundays are lengthy, and I'm at the point where I'm going to stop apologizing for that. So, um, We do community differently. If you're part of this church for any amount of time, you're going to understand we add things into our services that are meant to take sloppy seconds off the clock, not just clock stuff. So a couple things really quickly, though. We're, a couple weeks from now, we're going to be presenting the Wise Council and the New Pots, Prayers of the Seasons. And just for you to know, the things that jumped off the page when we asked our community, what are the most important things? how we use the 100 space, which is across the hallway underneath that our kids are in now to serve our city was a huge thing. How we do student ministry was a huge thing. And then just serving Smyrna, those were the three main things. And then the one that we're gonna add on top of that is the feelings we've had stirring about what does it mean to be a church that grows in a healthy way? And if, if you've been around me for any length of time, you've heard me um, destroy this idea of numerical growth in a, probably in a negative way and not a healthy way. I, I've maybe had a response to some of the things that were given to me in an unhealthy way. And so it maybe feels like I don't want to grow, and that's not true. We want to grow in the, in the right way. We want to grow. What we don't want to do is do events that are a little better than the events happening at churches in our city and so attract those people to come to our church. We don't desire for church transfer Unless somebody moves into the area, they're looking for a church, and then you bring them. All day long, you bring them. We're not going to do a promotional campaign for a friend day or anything like that. But healthy growth to me going into next year. People who do not know who Jesus is, learning and finding out who Jesus is and falling in love with his body. That's our goal. That's our goal. So one of the things we're going to be praying about is starting Alpha, which is a ministry that helps people from ground zero... I've received Christ, now what do I do? And walks them through the understanding, this is what's just happened. And the next year we're praying about doing that the right way. And it'll be a big deal. It'll be, and there's, this is the tricky part about this. It's not just for people who, there's people in this room who have received Christ who still have no idea what that meant, right? And that's in all of our churches. There's no thrones that need to be casted. They're just, if that happens to be you, we will provide that first level to you guys. What does it mean now that you're saved? What does it mean? What does it not mean? What is your ethic in society? How do you impact this world? What does your identity in Christ look like? How do you serve? What is it? It's good to know that because we can have a church without building it around Jesus. And so many people don't know what that's like that you could just hook, line, and sink or buy it, right? We don't want that. We want you to understand and know who Jesus is. We want you to know what the church is for and what your role is. Now that you're a new creation created in Christ Jesus, what does that mean? How does that impact the rest of your life? And so 2019 will look like that. It'll look like we are praying for growth, that kind of growth, the kind of growth with people who need to know who Jesus is and how to grow in him. Amen? Amen. Give me a little golf clap for that. A little golf clap. <laughs> cool. Second thing, really quickly, um, about two weeks ago, Sarah and I were in California because our wise council, which is our leadership here that we have over us and provide accountability, provide tough questions, they hurt our hearts and realized we have to create a budget line for you guys to remain healthy. And so they created a path for us to do things to go be healthy. We felt more liberated than we ever have in ministry. While we're in California, experiencing being refilled, there's, this is what, and this is what anybody that's in ministry and I was talking about, a, a pastor that was 30 years old in California at Indian Hills Church takes his life church of 8,000 members. If you look at the pictures, his name is Andrew. I can't say his last name because it is, it's hard. Stock Klein. He's 30 years old. 
He looks just like any hipster American pastor who's happy, beautiful family, 8,000-member church, takes his life, left with the gap. We're actually in. This is what's interesting to me is Sarah and I are actually in California near this, going there to create space to remain healthy. And so I felt like I would be failing as a pastor today to not create a space to do something in here. One, to make sure that you understand that in ministry, well, first of all, I've said things like this in here. My job's, everybody's job's hard. So people say, well, you're a pastor. It's different. It's different to be, especially over, it's a role for any pastor. And there's many people here who are pastors. It's a role where you receive everyone else's trauma. You're the person that everyone goes to when it's terrible. You're doing the funerals. You're doing the counseling. And over a period of time, especially with a church of 8,000 members or 5,000 or 200, there's no way to personally carry that stuff. And my heart for ministry is to create a space for the world to know we are people just like you, just like you. The only thing different is we've said yes to this specific calling. And I'm saying that to you not, I feel taken care of by our church right now. I feel like, I mean, some of you guys sent us letters. We got surprised Alita, of course, in her Alita-ness, created a website. Then people sent us emails listing how much they loved us, which... It meant the world to us. Like, I was, we were weeping over just sitting around weeping, reading these things in California. I'm not saying this for us, though, even though I do want you to know that we're people just like you. And, but I am saying I want to stand in right now for pastors in your lives, in my life, and I, specifically this. It's easy to surface level evaluate a pastor. And the way I do it is competition. I keep it at a surface level, really unhealthy. If another church is doing good, it's competition. Underneath that, I've not met a pastor, and this is, I'm going to be so transparent with you. I've not met a pastor who does not honestly struggle with all of the things that we're talking about. And if I meet one that doesn't struggle with them, I ask for a time when we can really talk about what's going on. I don't know anybody, and I'm I'm challenging you to the pastors in your life, if it's family members, if it's dads, to the pastors in your life, if it's small group leaders, if it's your past church, it's time for you to stop throwing stones or being offended in building walls and lifting them up in prayer. They need your prayer. They need to be lifted up. Our first fight is in that realm. Like Julia prayed, you have to be lifting up these people. We're not better than anybody. There's just more expected of pastors in a lot of ways. They're meant to be perfect in a lot of ways. And the only reason I'm saying this and feel comfortable is because I don't feel like I'm saying it for myself. I'm saying... As a church, I want to be good at noticing my brothers and sisters who are pastoring across this city and stepping in to love them well. Instead of feeling like I need to compete with them, right? That hook. It's not about competition. I need to love people well. What's happening on the surface level in all of our lives is not really what's happening underneath, right? And that's not just pastors. That's all of you. If any of you had to take like, take like a truth pill and stand up and say what's really going on in your life, you'd probably run out of here like Forrest Gump. Like, <laughs> That's anybody, but then you have, you know, and you know that this is true about pastors because many of you still have just so many strong feelings about a pastor who's done something. I'm asking you to even look past that. Look past it to the deeper thing and pray for that person. Heal this person. This guy that took his life two years ago, I guarantee you he was not sitting around going, in two years I'm going to take my life. He was thinking, it's hard, it's hard, but I'm just going to keep trucking. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep going, right? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. It's, sometimes it's, it's time to stop, keep going. 
right? Amen? So here's what I want to do. And I love Mark that you guys are here today. Mark Nicewander just shows up. He's like a, he is literally like a quiet storm. Comes in, he's like, whoa. Remember he's here, I'm like, did I do something? Are you here to evaluate? He's over our network and I meet with him. Um, but this was a, like a reaffirming that this is something that needs to happen. So if you represent, if you are a pastor or if you have a pastor super close to your life that's not us, I would ask you to stand. And life group, yeah. Stand to your feet, please. Yeah, because, yeah, totally. And now, next step, come forward right here. All of you guys. Okay, it's fun that you're facing me, but it would be funner if you faced them. <laughs> That's just, that was just bad leaders. That was bad pastoring, guys. You can blog about it if you want. Okay, now, guys, we're all looking at them. And as a sign of solidarity to them and the pastors in our lives, I'd ask you to stand to your feet. And I'm asking you this, through prayer or serving or calling out, Whose load can you, can you stand with and help them? If it's texting a pastor and being like, I forgive you, you didn't mean it, I know there was deeper things going on, I'm praying for you and your family. If it's celebrating someone who had an impact in your life, if it's just encouragement, I'm asking you to stand with these guys, with me, and with the people in your lives, if it's not us. We need you. They need you. We are not superstars. We are not a product to be on an assembly line. Which one do you like? Which is your flavor? That is a lie from the enemy. That is, that's Americanism at its best. That is not the church. They are not products. We are not meant to be perfect, just as you are not meant to be perfect. Stand with us. Stand with them. If you could reach your hand and pray towards them. Father, I just pray um, on this level that you would just bring healing to all the hurting people in ministry that carry loads their whole lives to the revivalist, God, that you read about at the end of their lives just falling apart, to the pastors putting on a porcelain face that we've thrown stones at because they've got a porcelain face on, but we haven't been able to look past it and see the hurt and the pain and the trauma. Help us to help carry the load and help free them. To any of these guys who feel a pressure to be something they're not, in Jesus' name, make it flee. I pray that they would be liberated to struggle and fail and fall flat on their face in front of people that they lead so that they can be helped up by those people. I pray that you would liberate this city to love people well, that our leadership would not dominate, that we would not sit in rooms before services and hide, that we would be with the people because our people love us and we love our people. I pray for a shepherding heart like you talk about, Jesus, the kind of shepherding that diffuses competition, the kind of shepherding that's so selfless it would go to a cross and I pray that it would be reciprocated, God. Yes. That we wouldn't expect it from others, but we would give it to others. In Jesus' name, I want you to bring the names to our minds right now that we were holding grudges against. Help us to, help us to let those people go right now in Jesus' name. And we pray for their ministry and their families. In fact, the person's name in your mind right now who's caused harm or hurt, whether it's a televangelist or someone in jail for doing something stupid or a pastor of a 10-person church, Start praying for their family right now. 
We pray for the families, God. We pray for this guy's family, Andrew, in California. What pain that must be. What, what a, I ask for you, Jesus, to provide healing that can only happen through you, God. And I ask for the other pastors who were just a few months away from that kind of decision that you would intercede right now with leadership that loves and doesn't demand, that with leadership that walks with and doesn't require that they be perfect, help them to be free, Jesus. Help them to have community. I pray for a friend for each pastor in this city that they have a spiritual friend that they can be so honest with that nothing has to be hidden. I pray for transparency in our churches, and I pray that when that happens from the pulpit, that the people are strong enough and wise enough to receive it as a gift and not as a threat. I pray that you would revolutionize the way that we lead our churches, Jesus. Raise pastors to the surface who are full and healed and understand that they need to be healed as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Lord, we bless uh, Josh and Sarah right now. Lord, we pray. We thank you, Lord, for this time that they've had uh, just with uh, family and uh, with each other. We pray now, Lord, that uh, in the days ahead that you would continue to minister life into them. And, we, Lord, I do bless this community that they would uh, give themselves fully uh, to uh, these leaders, Lord, and... Uh, we, uh, we trust you, Lord, with all you have for us in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Such a gift. I'm going to share on, it's lengthy, the time is, time is long in the tooth, as many of you. Amen? All right. Well, I'll, I'll do better with my joking, maybe. <laughs> you got to fail to get funny, guys. That's the way it works. So we're, we're preaching through Peter, and um, right now we're in chapter 2. The reason we're preaching through Peter is because he was a highlighted character in the Gospel of Mark that we just came through. And there was such a radical transformation in him that it produced these communities that he started to pour into. And you noticed that the things he struggled with in the Gospel of Mark, he no longer struggles with as overtly. He now kind of stands in the things Jesus was calling for him to do and becomes that kind of father figure role for these communities. And specifically this community, there's a massive amount of fiery trials that are happening. So much so that people are losing their lives. So much so that uh, Christians do not matter. And they're literally at risk of being, being imprisoned. And, and I gave you the example three weeks ago that being made a sport and a spectacle. In some cases, even taking the skins off of dead animals, putting them on Christians, and then setting Christians loose to be eaten by another animal. Like these were actual things that this church, right? So I'll start by saying this. As strong as some of us have feelings about the way that our country is run, right? Whether it was Barack Obama as president or Donald Trump as president, which we all have our thoughts. One of the things we don't have to worry about today is that one of us would be clothed in animal skins and be eaten alive. So I say that to say, I don't, this is a tough topic for me, political conversation, because political, the political arena is man's best attempt to provide for a society what God's always been trying to provide for a society. So it's well above, it's well above, it's well above Democratic, it's well above Republican, it's just our attempt. And so while it can never be our primary, I would say none of us have to worry about being killed today. And I want to say amen for that, right? That's probably a good thing. That's probably at least a good thing. 
So then, if we have thoughts and feelings about how to be in a society, that we do it in a way that is honoring without being yes people. Because you should have a voice against things that are not right. And if you're in a society that that's happening, you need to speak to it with your life, not through Facebook, because we're not seven years old. Amen? Amen? Amen. Man, I've, I've seen so many Facebook arguments won. Never. There's never, there, it's, there's never been an argument on Facebook that actually ends beautifully, right? You see the love in Christ in this now. All right, so, so this church is beginning in these communities, and they're building a family, and Jesus is being introduced as the core of the gospel. Peter's talking to communities that whole, their whole goal is to go into a society and introduce Jesus, Jesus being the center that draws people to Jesus to receive new life in him, be restored, and become these living new creations. This is the message and heart of these gospels going. And he does it through family, which is us. He, he puts these families in societies that become these, oh, they're so beautiful and also so awful at times, Right? So I want to read to you 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. This is, this is going to rub you the wrong way, and it should. And I'll just say this, as you read a scripture like this, if you just read it and you're like, that's yeah, fine, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. That's not good. This should do something in you where you're like, that didn't land right. And I, not, not it just didn't land right. It's like, that doesn't seem right. Really? And it's okay to look at scripture like that. It's okay to have that because it's doing something in you that's making you ask tough questions. You need to ask the questions, why do I have to submit? What, why do I have to submit? You need to have that to get to answers, right? So be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God. Just that part alone, if you really seriously take scripture serious should cause things in you, should cause you not to just be yes people. It should make you go, whoa, hold on a second. Because if it's not right now, because for some of us in this room, this political climate freaks us out. And for some of us, the previous political climate freaks us out, right? And in either case, this is right. In either case, right? So... For this is the will of God. By doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Amen? Righty right. Righty right right. Everybody good? So, a couple things really quickly. Prayer first, right? In an interaction with a tough passage, instead of just reading it once and being like, da-da-da-da-da, invite the Holy Spirit into it. So we're going to do that communally. So if you'll close your eyes. Father God, you've given us the living, breathing Holy Spirit. You did that in Acts, and then you said it would be our helper. We cannot read correctly passages without the Spirit of God to show us. So in this reading, help us to perceive what it is your spirit is saying to the church in this century and in previous centuries and to our children who will hand the church to. Help us to see, God. Give us wisdom to not be offended in a way that makes us offend others to the point of pushing them away from Christ, but drawing them to you. 
Give us the kind of boldness that not just gives us a loud voice, but allows us to sit on our knees and wash people's feet who are our enemies. Give us the kind of boldness who will make us listen to someone who is calling our Jesus the wrong things and love that person. Give us the kind of bravery that allows us to serve people. Give us the kind of freedom that makes us slaves to a different master, Jesus Christ, King of the world. (laughs) That is our Jesus, and we thank you. Amen. So just really quickly, in the New Testament, it tells us to be good citizens. We know this because Paul writes about it a lot. In Romans 13, it's a passage I've actually abused before in youth ministry when I wanted youth to shut up. And I'd be like, have you read Romans 13 yet, you idiots? Go read it. And they never would read it, but it felt good to say that. But in this passage, he talks about how all leadership is given from God. And there are theological debates on this. But in any case where there is a leader in a society, Paul believed he is put there or she is put there by God. That's what it says. In 1 Timothy 2.2, it then tells us this. First of all, then I urge you, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. And to me, I don't struggle with this. I don't struggle with knowing that there's a leader somewhere that maybe I cannot see how there's a value in them that is Christ-centered. But that's not for me to decide. I believe that he is ultimately king over everything. Not only earth, but whatever things are floating around in outer space where there is no end, at least in my brain. That's what I believe. In their time, they had an authoritarian government, which meant when I said something to you, you're going to do this. You're going to walk over there. You're going to get that water. You're going to come back. And you didn't do it. You were, if you didn't do it, I could take your life. Authoritarian. If they said, you'll kneel, and you didn't, you'd be in trouble. This is their government, right? Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God's. This is why in the Old Testament, people did lose their lives for going against the government, right? That's not what we have. We have a democracy, right? Correct? Democracy? Just making sure you guys are all with me. (laughs) Super smart in history and, and government, so. But basically what this means is it's a shared system. And in a shared system, we all have our role to play, and we all play a part. And it's the idea, kind of the driving force behind it in its healthiest sense is I exist here to serve my brother and sister. I exist to make your life better, like public servants. Like that's the whole thought. Like that, that all comes out of this idea that we share in these roles together. There is no emperor supreme, right? The closest we have to that is the president, right? Who's put there by whoever. And we all are like, who's putting people in these places every time it happens, right? And by the way, it's always the most important generation ever. And if we don't, then it's all. And I just am like, let's step back from that and realize that Jesus is still bigger than all of this, right? right? That doesn't mean we just stand back here and like watch. This is something I've been very convicted on because I've had feelings and I'm, I'm always at a spot where I'm, I'm done being nervous about this, okay? I don't believe that the political system is the answer for our nation. I believe if the church stood up and did everything that we were supposed to do, it would abolish the need for a government. There would be people being taken into homes. There would be benevolent needs being taken care of all over. So I don't say I hate the government. I just don't give it more power than it has. Do we play a role in it? Yes. If we see an injustice, we need to stand up to it. So even... 
eight years ago or now, if you notice something, you're like, that is not scriptural. It's our role as Christians to take part in that and to vocalize it. And it's okay if you do it in the way that Jesus does it. But here's the idea, though. If we do it the way that Jesus does it, do it within the systems and structures that exist. And if it comes to a point where you can no longer do that because what Jesus is saying and what God is saying and what the Scripture is saying trumps that and it's more important, then you have to do it God's way. But here's what happens. Well, I can't see how this could be from God, so I'm standing. And instead of going to the way Jesus does it, which is dying for it, we create this middle group called Stupid Stuff on Facebook (laughs) that does nothing for anyone. We create this middle ground that makes it okay then, if it's not from God, to be resentful, angry, and bitter, and vitriol to everyone who doesn't. And the only thing I would say about that, the only thing I would say about that is it never leads people to Jesus. If your goal is to lead people to Jesus, and this is why I think in the political realm, our goal truly isn't to lead people to Jesus. It's to fight for what we think is going to keep us where we are and what we believe. And when that's shaken, that's when these responses happen. That's when fights happen. That's when Christians can sit in the same room and yes, You can be a Christian and be Republican. And yes, you can be a Christian and be a Democrat. If that just jolted you, then you need to have conversations. Because that is not the underlying, overarching main theme. The main theme is that Jesus Christ died for all. And he's gathering people around tables that have no business being together. And when those people know how to be with one another in a way that disagreements can happen and conversations can happen, but I'm not going to exclude you or excommunicate you or hate you or say that you are on your way to hell for things that are peripheral. If those things start happening, then what's happening in the book of 1 Peter can shake our city. Because it's, it was actually worse for them, right? Like, and I just want to say this. View, view your Facebook account. Go back one month. What is the, all of you, and this, oh. to, to my brothers and sisters, to my brothers and sisters who stand with good reason on things, who, who are older than the younger millennials who we all have funny jokes about how they're like, they're goofy, they don't commit to anything, but they're changing the whole world before our eyes. Like, to all my friends who are 40, 50, and older, who are so locked in to these things that aren't actually gospel, you're just, and I'm not saying to become the opposite. I'm saying it's not about, I'm saying you're losing your voice. And we need your voice now more than ever. This society that you're offended at needs you more than you've ever been needed. They need you to sit with them while they say their dumb stuff that you know is dumb, (laughs) that you know is not helping them. They need you to sit and look deeper than that and love the heart, right? And let Jesus be the leaven that works through for maybe 10 years in a life to see him come through in the end. Instead of being like, you know what? Y'all are all evil. You're all going to hell. I'm dying on a cross in a little bit. This is Jesus, by the way. I'm dying on a cross in a little bit, so you better shut your mouths because I'm coming. He didn't do that. He showed up and he loved people to the point of death. And because of that, he gained a voice in people's lives. And now we gather around that, right? So let's stop that middle ground argument where we stand on a soapbox about a thing that's just a thing. Good Lord. The thing for me that's so confusing is 
a brother and sister in Christ, whether they are from Zimbabwe or Mexico or Canada or Africa or Jasper, Georgia, or they are a brother and sister in Christ, and that is over and above any national alignment. Does that mean that I'm not in favor of like freedom we have? No. It just means I, I want to rightly understand that Jesus is first, period. Not the same T-shirt, different T-shirt. Not I pray, I kneel to pray, and I stand for the flag. It's no, I kneel to pray, period. Jesus is first. Amen. That is it. That does not mean that I, I'm so thankful. My dad fought in the military. I, I, I'm thankful. Like we are experiencing freedoms that we could not have, that people all across the world need right now. I'm so thankful for this. I'm so thankful for this. But it's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. Jesus would cause you to die for a brother or sister who your nation is at odds against. Jesus would cause a master to kneel down at the feet of a slave, take off his shoes, and wash his feet. In this setting, this is important for you to know. In this setting, there were around 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire, and most of the early church was built by slaves. And not the slavery like we understand, because they would go into another nation and take everyone and bring them back. So this nation had like, your doctor was a slave. The teachers were a slave, like everyone. So much so that the Romans would say, this was like a phrase, like, why would we ever have to do anything? There's an endless supply of slaves. I don't ever, it was, it was almost like a put down to be like, oh, you're doing your own work, Mark? <laughs> that, would, that would be a put down because you have a slave for everything. Here's what happened, though. What happened is Jesus' message comes into this society. I won't even get into the arcs of Scripture. Like, why didn't Jesus just come and say, slavery is evil, let's kill it right now? That's a whole box of hairy something that right now, but I will talk about how he had a setting to introduce the gospel, so he talked about masters and servants loving one another. That would start fights in a lot of places, right? But this is why. Because that society, so important, that society needed to see a master serve a slave. It needed to see that when you went to an, an early church, it was literally happening that a slave in a household would be leading a church that the master of a household was a member of. And because this started happening, it revolutionized everything about the society. It literally toppled an oppressive government through the church that did this for one another. It was such radical humility, such radical humility that they had to rethink the way they did everything. When you would have a meal, you would show up. And if you were a Epicurean, you would eat first. If you were a freeborn, you would eat second. If you were a free slave, you would eat third. If you were a slave, you would eat fourth. And you would do it in that order or you would lose your life. A slave would never jump to the front. And they would go to these Christian gatherings and the slaves would be served first by the Epicureans. And it toppled a whole society. So honor everyone in this passage isn't just, I see, Sarah, that you're a woman in ministry, and I appreciate that. And I see, Paul, that you have gifts, and I honor that. It meant that all these people that you have labeled things for the last years are now humans just like you. 
Because in the Roman law, by law, if you were a slave, you had no rights. If you had a child born, the child belonged to your master. You could not get married. You, had no, you couldn't do anything. You were a thing. They actually had a statement. The only difference between humans and animals is humans have voices. The slaves, you're a thing. You're my property. And before we're like, we don't have that anymore. We do that to people in our lives all the time. People exist in our lives to be things that we can maneuver and manipulate. And in ministry, it happens all the time. I've actually done it. Used people to try and get to a mean. But all people are created equal as introduced into this church. And it destroys a system. But it takes three or four generations to even sink in. Like, are you ready? If you, you like me, want to stand against the things that are truly unjust, are you ready for the long fight? Because a Facebook post is not going to cleanse it. Are you ready for the leaving of Christ to take a generation or three to really bring forth the things that need to happen? Are you ready to fight like that? Or are you just going to pull out your sword like Peter and cut off somebody's ear so that Jesus has to put it back on? The long fight. The long fight of things that truly matter. And in the midst of the long fight, the, the way we are together in this world is the way that they see our Christ. So how do you honor your leadership? How do you serve with love? This passage that says, love the brotherhood, I do believe it would say love the brotherhood and sisterhood if it were written today, right? At this time, a woman couldn't even talk. Like it's, but what it's saying is, out of every characteristic in the church, this is my heart for River City, it's Sarah's heart for River City, out of every characteristic we can capitalize on, the number one thing that will never fail is what? The number one characteristic that our world needs to see is love. And I'm not just saying, oh, it doesn't matter. Love does not just it's like go do whatever you want. That kind of Christian freedom is not even Christian freedom. The idea that now I'm in Christ and you can just back off because he freed me and I've got what I need and you can just back off. That's not, that's not Christian freedom. Christian freedom is being so free from self-centeredness that you can give your life to serve someone. Christian freedom is changing a master of sin and death and, and wickedness to a master who dies. It's a different master who has a different message, who is peace, who is love, who is joy, who's not fighting, right? Like, bam, that's Jesus. So Christian freedom frees us to serve so in this setting, and I'm not going to, I'm going to continue. There's actually another part of this. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 25. I, I encourage you to read that on your own. I'm just going to end with this. My goal for this church is that we are vibrant in love. And by love, I don't mean do I feel affection when I'm around you. That's phileo love. That's a different thing. I mean the agape love of Christ that looks at you and says, I'm, I'm about to give you what you don't deserve you haven't given anything to me. When someone interacts with that, especially in our society, they see Jesus in a more real way than they ever can. The way we love one another shows Christ. Love the brotherhood means if it's not happening in here, if somebody can't come into this church or be a part of this church and experience a love that they have never experienced before, we are doing it wrong. We are doing it wrong. We can focus on theology we can focus on serving and doing a thing in the city. We can focus on lights and graphics and buildings and polished floors and old school pianos and hipster lights. 
We can focus on all of that. But if we have not love here, we are doing it wrong. It is the only thing that will never fail. And it is what we are called to. We are called to love, not just the people we feel comfortable with, but the people that we used to be masters over or slaves under. That's crazy. So, Father, if you'll close your eyes with me, can you help us to be bold so much that we can serve? Can you help us to listen to people who think very differently from us? And for those of us, God, who are in just a hard time, we feel wounded, we feel betrayed, we feel like we're taking too much for the team. This passage tells us that, God, you are our shepherd, and by your stripes, we are healed. Our healing is found in Jesus. He is the shepherd of our souls. Help us to cause a revolution in our society, God. One that makes people rethink everything based around Jesus being the center of all being the one we draw people to. Forgive us for having a cause for the sake of a cause. We're not just called to change a society. We're not just called to alleviate something. We are called to present Jesus in whatever setting we are in, whether it's oppressive or celebratory, whether we are celebrated or cursed, whether we are being beaten or we are not being beaten. We are given the goal of taking this Jesus with our brothers and sisters into the settings we are right now. So just really quickly, what setting are you in in your mind, in your life, your job, your schools, your families? What setting are you in right now? Your goal in that setting is to present Jesus through the way that you live. And it will do the work it needs to do, whether it's in your life or the next. Help us to be so freed of ourselves, Jesus, because you say that when we come to the end of ourselves, we have new life. New life is not just adding all the things we want. There's a death involved. We die to ourselves and say yes to you. And in that, there is such joy and freedom and liberation, so much so that the other becomes important and we can serve. I ask you in Jesus' name to mark River City as a church who loves the way that you've asked us to here that has the tough conversations, that doesn't fight with vitriol anger, but that listens to someone even when we know they're wrong, that will pray for them before we make accusations. I ask that even in the spiritual realm in our city, that we would be known for building bridges and mending more than we are for breaking down and driving hard lines. I pray that we would never be shaken that Jesus is the only way and is the answer and provides everything that is needed, even if we are in oppression, pain, suffering. For you are our suffering servant Christ, and you are who we are told to learn from. And you have called us to suffering according to this passage. But in suffering, we can find joy in you because you are eternal and this is not. We are in it for the long fight. We are in it to love one another to experience joy with one another, to encourage one another. I pray that you would forgive those of us in here who show up to churches waiting to be performed to and given what we need. And well, this is just my flavor. I pray that you would encourage us to get ourselves into the body, to serve the body, to show up with questions like, how do I make this place better today? How do I serve today? Who do I love today? Who needs prayer today? How can I hug someone today? Forgive us for showing up and needing to be 
pampered, God. We're so just, forgive us, God. Show us, God. In Jesus' name, bring rain at the end of this prayer, too. Amen. (laughs) It's good. He's a good God. Father, I pray you would bless as we go. I pray that you would go before us, that you would be with us, that you would guide us. I pray that we would be your humble servants to love this city. Thank you for this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.